All right, guys, welcome and thank you for joining us on the 10th episode of the Mastery Podcast. I'm your host, Master Chris Malarkey, fifth degree black belt in traditional Taekwondo. And happy new year, 2022 to everybody. We've got a really exciting guest ahead. Um, you don't want to miss out on this, so stay tuned. Uh, before we go any further, though, I'd like you guys to hit that like, follow, subscribe button located somewhere on your screen so I can continue bringing martial arts to you wherever you are in the world. Uh, so without further ado, a great list um, of uh, accolades um, and um, just a really impressive uh, career in the martial arts. Uh, opened his gym in Manhattan uh, in 2004, uh, Camp Undefeated. Uh, opened was the first gym in Manhattan to have a full-size cage. Uh, he's currently working at the ITC, the International uh, Training Center. Also working as an ACE, American Boxing Council certified judge, referee, fight official working with ISKA, WKA, NYSAC, the New York State Athletic Commission, um, worked in the US, Thailand, Spain, Italy, Korea, and more than a thousand bouts. So you've been all over the world. Um, studied uh, Shaolin Temple, Kung Fu, Taekwondo, uh, has been in film, uh, just pretty much everything there is. And I'm sure we'll jump into more. But without further ado, I'd like to introduce our, our 10th guest on the Mastery Podcast, Mr. Lazlo Hube, my first instructor, more importantly, in the martial arts. How are you doing tonight, sir? Thank you so much for having me. I'm, uh, I'm very well. Happy New Year and Happy New Year to everybody else thank out you. there. And thank you again for having me on the show. Oh, my, my, it's my greatest pleasure. Um, I never thought uh, when I joined uh, martial arts that uh, 25, 30 years later, I'd have a podcast and uh, we'd be talking on this end of the uh, end of the deal. So it's uh, it's cool to to have you in this format. How has um, COVID been for you, sir? I want to ask you that first and see how you're doing. I can't complain about, I mean, to be honest with you, the, the fight world in a way stayed as active as before COVID. Not as active, but it was fairly active. Well, we had a, a fairly, a very active 2021. Um, we've been in Uzbekistan with my team uh, traveling, which, you know, at the time it was, uh, um, uh, it, it was hard to travel due to COVID restrictions, but we got approval from the Uzbeki government. And we went over to participate in hand-to-hand combat competition, which is um, held every year in different parts of the world. More than a thousand competitors in different uh, weight groups. We brought the first silver medal from Uzbekistan, which uh, any American athlete ever achieved. And in hand-to-hand combat, and we were invited back in uh, November to Moscow, where we got gold. And um, we again never ever any American athlete achieved anything like this in in hand-to-hand combat. It's a really a Russian sport. Then anybody who is who knows this this uh, fighting style knows they are extremely good opponents over there. So. We had a busy year. We had a couple of tournaments um, where we participated um, in with smoke and smokers, and we had our uh, WK nationals down in Virginia. We had a chance to work over there too with my some some of my fighters not fighting but working as a, as fight officials. And um, we, since uh, ISK got really active in, in New York um, and the restrictions started to open up, ISK had like, I don't know, like 
I think like 20 tournaments last year oh. or more than that. One was better than the other. So I think little by little, the fight world is coming back to the pre-COVID numbers means as shows, events, and everything is going forward. And even if we have a little uh, short setback with this Omicron version, I'm sure in a month or so, this will die down and things are ha- happening. We already uh, signed up for a fight, an amateur fight, uh, on the Lou Neglia uh, show uh, in, um, I think, February 5th in the Westbury Theater. And we're looking to get a fight on a Warrior Cup with one of my fighters for uh, for February 17th. We didn't hear back from well, from opponents yet, but right. we're, positive. We're, we're hoping. But so it looks it looks a busy year. We also be looking forward this year to get to Thailand, maybe in February, March for training, and then we'll see from there. That's awesome. So you really didn't slow down at all during COVID. You kind of kept uh, kept the ball rolling, so to speak. Uh, it's as as you know very well. In training, is no slow down. So when right. it's a slow down, it's an extra opportunity to work harder, because when the opportunity arises, you will be we want to be ready. Correct. So most, most, uh, and that's I think most pros are are approaching this this COVID times like okay, you know maybe I don't have a show every month, but when it comes, I want to be a hundred percent ready. So I think people they they tend to have more time for training and they you know they train extra hard. Absolutely, I wanted to dive into that with you too. Speaking of which, the mindset of a fighter in terms of preparedness because. Um, from my record, my earliest recollections of training with you, um, and I oftentimes tell the story that, you know, which is true, that we started on a wood floor. Um, I don't know why people don't believe that, but <laughs> but we did um, at the dance studio in Brooklyn uh, a long time ago. Um, and- it's still in Europe, believe it or not, uh, in traditional uh, martial arts studios, yeah. it's a wooden floor. Yes. Or concrete. And in part of uh, and in Thailand, you also train on the, on the streets. Like, you know, in, in the U.S., you have basketball courts. Right. In Thailand, on the street, they have uh, uh, rings and boxing ma- boxing uh, bags on the yeah. streets hanging under the, the passageways. And it's concrete. You're literally stepping out on a concrete and do your training. You put on your shoes, then you go home after that. And, and that's kind of what it is, right? It's just getting you, you're kind of getting us prepared back then for just being sort of, again, ready for whenever, because you're not going to step on to a mat, you know, when you have an altercation, you know, God forbid you ever get into one, you know, outside of well, structure. I think it's it's not just about altercation anymore. I think we're in the United States, martial arts got a little commercialized and uh, watered down. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm talking about even traditional sports like Taekwondo. I think in my eyes, uh, the Olympic Taekwondo is not martial art anymore. I understand that, you know, safety is the number one, but imagine tennis with right. no balls, okay? So we just have the records, God for sake, we'll hit somebody with the ball. Right. And uh, we're just imagining that you will throw the ball and the ball will go to the other court. And I'll imagine that the court, the ball comes back. At some point, it's not working. Right. But that's just my point of view. So this is my five cents. Right. Um, that's why I think... Go ahead. Your, your point of view is shared by many, though. I'm sorry to interject. Your point of view is, is shared by, I think, a lot of people in the Taekwondo world, uh, particularly who you've gotten me connected to with Grandmaster Kim, who shares very, pretty much the same opinion. Um, and another guest I had prior um, on this show, thankfully, last year, uh, 
gold medalist her Perez uh, from uh, from ninety two Barcelona. I know her Perez. Yes, yeah, so we we had the opportunity. I had the opportunity, the privilege to speak with him last year around March, um, and he just uh, published in a magazine uh, issue uh, where he speaks to these pro many problems that are plaguing Taekwondo as in very much in line with what you're saying. So I think everybody, I didn't even turn the Olympics on for Taekwondo this year. I told, in fact, I told people not to watch. Um, that's six. I was like, that's just not what we do. That's not what I do. That's not what I learned. It's just no good. Well, uh, so, so in the current martial art world is, is such a thing as uh, the Olympics is gaining ground. Why? And um, the reason why, because it's money. So imagine as the Olympics, correct? To be an Olympian, um, you get uh, X amount of money. Your coach gets X amount of money. And, and you have the interest, and I'm sorry to, uh, to step on some people's toes. You know, it's not really my, my role to, to pull judgment to anybody. Anybody who does whatever they want to do. But think about it, how the Olympic games soften down people think about the gymnast uh, and i'm sorry to say that but it's no such a day as a mental day when you compete right you're a professional they pay you to compete right so if you got paid compete right. if you don't get paid you don't compete right. number one number two if you think about olympic boxing uh, think about uh, um, uh, right now, they want Muay Thai to be an Olympic game, part of the Olympic Games. How? Right. How you want to put in a fighter who has more than 200 fights, professional fights, with somebody who might have one or two professional fights and mostly amateur fights. It's... But under the Olympic flag, you're allowed. Right. Yes, I'm assuming, like we know in tennis, you know, uh, uh, when we sent our tennis players in Olympics, professional tennis players, how do you yeah. justify that? Right. Number one. Number two, even though you let's say you justify that, the, water, the, the sport is getting watered down. So you will have chest pads, you will have headgear, you will have shield guards. What is the fighting? Right. Oh, I understand. It's about points. But what do you do to the sport? You're literally watering it down. Correct. I understand for everybody to be able to participate. But martial arts was not about everybody to participate. Martial arts was literally for the warriors. And I'm sorry to, I know in the United States, everybody considers consider themselves a warrior and a martial arts expert. But <laughs> they were for the people, as you know, who they actually sweated. They were trained. They Correct. were pushing hard. So... Exactly. You earn your black belt. You know, the black belt coming from the white belt, getting that dirty and worn, that become black belt. Right, right. Now we're buying it on Amazon and it's cutting next day it's here. <laughs> and, you know, like some of the schools, they even tell you that in one year, it's only cost you $5,048 right. to become a black belt. Right. And, you know, and you send your kids every two months as a test and by the end of the year, and that's the way they're retaining their students. God bless them. Again, I'm not judging. Right. I'm just saying you can't compare that guy, right. correct, a black belt, with somebody who has, let's say, not martial artists, no black belt system, but he has more than 200 fights. Right. And let's say he won 50 of them with KO. 
So can you put the two guys in the same room and let them duke it out? It will will never happen. And to to the layman, layman, right, for the people who are listening, we do have a general audience and some who are, I would imagine some who are pretty specific to the field that you and I both share. I mean, it sounds like kind of an obvious thing. But when you sit down, and I'm sure you've done this before, when you go out with your friends or you go, when we used to do pre-COVID and go out to the bars or you go out to go watch a fight somewhere and you, you have a different set of eyes on because you're, you and I are both looking at the fight a completely different way than the person who's had three or four beers who hasn't ever had a fight in his life. Um, you know, so they're, they're looking at, they're like, okay, well, why isn't this guy, they must be at the same level, but it's not necessarily true, you know, um, you know, I remember Floyd Mayweather Jr., for example, was one of my, probably my top, my favorite boxer um, of the modern era. He was robbed of his, in the Olympics, robbed, completely robbed. And I watched the fight a million times, completely robbed. Outpointed the guy a million times and they gave the, they gave the gold medal to this other guy. That is the, that's why the Olympics, the Olympics is politics. Right. So, and, and, and. But, you know, I'm not putting down Olympics. I'm a big fan of any Olympic. Right. I just see, I just think that the system, it's not just at this point. Right. And, and, and politics has a huge uh, pressure on who you're judging and how you're judging. Right. I still believe in an old school fighter. Like, you know, it should be on the one guy standing on his feet, but, you know, that's not, that can be done. Right. The original UFC model was that, correct? The fight was going on until somebody was standing. Correct. Uh, but they could not put on TV because it wasn't PJ-13. Right. Okay, that, that was just too bloody, correct? So they had, they, had, they had to come up with rules, which I do believe that rules are there to protect the fighters. I'm a fight official. So I, yes, fighter safety is the most important thing. Right. But ultimately, we should not lose the focus that it is fighting. Right, 100%. Well, the Gracies even going back to the UFC. Um, I remember their debut um, on the UFC, and you know they sort of just revolutionized a concept of what fighting meant at the time. Because I mean, I got started with you in early '90s, and you know, from what I understood about martial arts, which was very, very limited, um, was that fighting was done only standing up, and you know, kicks, punches, elbows, knees, that kind of thing, and then they come the Gracies then come along and then are you know choking out people who can kick and punch um and all right other wrestlers uh, you, you remember when they they started the Gracie started correct so the Gracie yes. started uh for to actually to advertise their school yes it was a that was the when they it were it was a, an advertisement gig which right. worked out well right at some point the 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 Zufa brothers bought into it correct but it yes. wasn't working actually you know how much the the Zufa brothers they bought up the at the time uh, UFC they bought it up for a million dollars from wow. the Gracies wow uh, yes a million dollars was a lot of money at the time at the time yeah but it wasn't, if you think about how much it was sold right now to the Chinese company, right? $5 billion, something like that, correct? Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> again, okay, apples and oranges. But anyway, the, the point of the UFC was that uh, until Dana White came on board and Dana White put the rules down and kind of, um, what's the word for, uh, gentrified the UFC. Yeah made it available for the masses. Right. Less blood, more technique. 
yes, you need to understand how what's what's the the, the stand up game is, what the ground game is, how you're combining them, what who's who, what specializing in, you know, what to look for, and that's a little of the little of the UFC which made the 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 Brazilian Jiu Jitsu popular to people. Absolutely, hundred percent. Now it's it's almost became like yoga cult, but. Again, <laughs> it is, you know, that we have to give credit to the UFC, you have to give that credit to Dana Watch, you have to give, give credit to all those people who they, they paved the way for, for, for the popularity and not to take any credit away from anyone. That is what have, have the BJJ be right now, the BJJ. Now, MMA is not BJJ. Correct, correct. And that's why, you know, uh, people, they have to realize that not necessarily be able to to approach the person unless I'm getting punched in the face or I'm getting kicked in the stomach right. or somebody will crack my ties, correct? Right. So right. I have to start training stand-up. Right. Same thing, the stand-up guy realized, hold up a second, standing up is not enough anymore. This guy could take me to the ground and could sit on me for three rounds of five minutes and my skills are worthless. Right. So I need to start you know, takedown defense, ground defense. I have to work on my guard. Um, most people at the time they didn't know what what you talk about guard. You know, like the stand up right. guard. No, it's a different guard we talk about. Right. Anyway, but again, UFC did made all these more popular and and spread the the news. The good part is for for all of us that put martial arts on international stage. So anybody in the world, if you mention UFC, MMA, knows about martial arts. Right. Knows about karate, knows about stand-ups, knows about takedowns, knows about every aspect of it. So in a way, we could thank them for it. Absolutely. How is your philosophy, your personal philosophy, I guess? I mean, I didn't, I didn't, actually didn't even know what rank you were, and it didn't matter to me. I just knew you were very serious in how you trained us, and I think... I, I think I was a second degree black belt. Second degree at the time. In Taekwondo, yes. In Taekwondo, I, I was a second degree black belt. First degree under Paul D. Dexter. Okay. Uh, Paul D. Dexter was in Missouri. He was the guy who introduced me to Taekwondo. He did, he was teaching Taekwondo, but uh, his philosophy was that it's just um, a tool. Right. to to get where you need to go as a martial artist. Gotcha. Now, some people could have a hammer, some people have a screwdriver, whichever tool you pick. Right. It's about fixing things and in a way fixing yourself. Correct. Correct. 100%. And and he was strongly urged me to 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 compete in wrestling, to compete in kickboxing, to compete in in Taekwondo at the time was ITF, you know, uh, uh, Taekwondo, which was full contact, no point yeah. sparring, even hit the face. Right, knockouts. Hit, right. Yeah, whatever. No. So um, we competed at a time in, uh, all over the place. We competed in Texas, uh, we competed in Kansas, we competed in Missouri, we competed in Oklahoma, we competed, you know, whatever it was a tournament, doesn't matter, kickboxing, whatever, whoever, whatever they throw, we were, we were going over there, right. Yeah. Unfortunately, he committed suicide in 2005. Oh. And he thought that at age 50, he has no more chance to compete. Wow. And he became very depressed. And 
unfortunately he he ended his own life uh, but he was the guy who in the United States uh, uh, put down the the basics for me for what is martial arts what is mixed martial arts what is taekwondo how taekwondo is, is uh, work he also uh, learned directly for general choi hong ki um, so he was a first level student to he when um, I, uh, my understanding was that that uh, he directly worked with uh, with, with Choi Hong Ki. Wow! So yeah, I, I saw pictures with him. I saw his uh, getting his black belt from him. One of his belt tests this was from him. So, um, but he was also a person who went in Asia and competed the underground tournaments. That's pretty big. Mm-hmm. He went to South America and competed in underground tournaments. Right. At a time, it was illegal, but he said, "You know what? I'm, I need to know this is working for me. I need to know whatever I do, it works for me." And bare knuckle, so my, like bare knuckle, no gear. We're going in. You know, the, that guy standing across from me, where he just go, no protective gear. And one guy walks away with money. That's yes. it. So yeah, and 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 so his philosophy kind of robbed on me. Gotcha. Because uh, basically, a fight is a fight. Yes, there are rule sets, but ultimately, how to to win a fight. Right. That's so cool. That's some some unfortunate about his passing, but um, I think a great uh, mindset to leave behind. One of the greatest things we can leave behind are ideas. Right. So. Um, right, right, that's, uh, right. that is, that's very powerful. What was um, your experience with um, Kung Fu? Because uh, from what I got, oh, and, um, Shaolin Temple. And- so basically when I got to, um, um, from, to New York, I joined uh, SJ Kim's gym. I said, uh, the SJ Kim gym and I did Taekwondo. Um, it was, I've always wanted to do more than just Taekwondo. Okay. Gotcha. The reason why um, I always found that I'm lacking of something. It's something is missing. It's not complete. So I had a chance to to train on uh, Sifu Xianmin. And I was a Shaolin monk. um, I became part of his demo team. I did a couple of... uh, uh, Events uh, for him with um, for Tribeca Film Festival, um, for their demo things with Discovery Channel, for BBC. Uh, some other time, half of that I don't remember anymore who who and what and how. Right. But we used to have the Wu Tang Clan coming down to our uh, demos. You know, it, cool. uh, used to be very popular. You know. Uh, Raekwon and uh, Rosie Rizzo. Perez was yeah. Rosie Perez was training over there. Uh, uh, Bestie Snipe used to you know train with the Sifu Xiaomin. Wow. So there were big names at the time, you yeah. know, in the city, and it was uh, a great energy. But ultimately, again, something was missing the the fighting element. Okay. So I started gravitating more and more toward MMA and Muay Thai to be specific. Gotcha. And uh, I found it more three-dimensional okay three closer to real 
life fighting. What you would experience practically in a, in a, in a normal What's situation. happening in a real fight? Like right. what right. is the psychology? What is the, the how this would work in real life? Right. Um, obviously the rules are, again, I'm a fight official, so I'm always advocating the rules. The rules are there and it's a great thing because they're protecting the fighter. Right. Um, but in the same time, it's not just the skill set, but how your mind progresses. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, because all the skill sets in the world will not help you if your mind says no. Correct. Correct. So, and, and, and how would you train that? And how would, you know, how it comes, um, the brain, how comes to your aid when you right. need to fight? Right. So, so MMA was the closest, and Muay Thai was the closest. I'm, I'm a stand-up guy. Means I'm, I love kickboxing, Muay Thai kickboxing, the uh, Dutch style kickboxing. Uh, so, some of my guys they fought on Glory. I love their fighting style. Right. You know, Glory style was was created uh, to be a bridge between kickboxing and Muay Thai. Gotcha. It's a much fa much faster paced uh, style. It's all about power punches and all about trying to knock the other guy out <laughs> continuous fighting long long continuous coming yes it's all okay. so uh, which you know uh, allow to new bring new elements in kick the legs out you know one right. clinch and knee no elbows right um, and which more muay thai was a little too sometimes too slow for or too technical for people because went to the clinch and you know the clinch work is with about knees and elbows and the layman people, they're just watching and don't understand what's going on. It's like the first thing they say, why are they hugging each other? Right, 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 right. <laughs> okay. So then, then Glory came on board and they said, okay, let's just speed this up. Let's just take this process to the next level and take away the clinch. Right. Also add a little more uh, angles to it and more power. And now we have a product. Right. Now you were also from Romania. So I want to kind of go back. You touched on so many things. Mm -hmm. So um, when you when you came to the United States, what year was that? It was 1992. 1992. And you had already, I'm assuming, um, had been studying martial arts prior to coming here. So yeah. So basically, before 1992, I run. Uh, so I was uh, lucky to train under my first and I would say my uh, most important master. Okay. He was a Kung Fu instructor. He was a Kung Fu master in Romania. Uh, also, uh, uh, he was teaching uh, uh, Northern style of Kung Fu. And, and we did, uh, as a fighting style, Sanda, if you're familiar with it. Oh. As, uh, the throws out, it's like kickboxing, but throws out aloud. And right. catches and sweeps and, and very close to MMA. And uh, he was the first person in my life, I would say, who actually um, understood martial arts. And he was the one who, I would say, whatever I know about philosophy, 80% or 90% what I know about philosophy, I could thank to him. His name is Yanko Nikolai. He is a remarkable person. He learned Chinese on his own. He learned uh, martial arts from videos uh, and books in a way. And he created 
such a strong school like no one before him in my hometown. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my, my training partners became national coaches for different Kung Fu teams in my home, in my, in, in the country. Mm-hmm. And one of the guys, one of my, one of my closest friends, uh, Romy Gosner, he was the coach for the Romanian national team. He was invited to China, he was invited to Korea to show how good Chinese athletes can be in, mm-hmm. in Kung Fu. Um, his, his philosophy was very much on the MMA path. Like, you know, all the fluff in the world will not help you. Right. You need to have real skills. It's no belts, no this, no that. Yeah. It's what do you know. Correct. Not even that so much, really, right? It's because like, you can, I bump into so many people that say they know a lot. Which, if you're telling someone that's a fighter, you know a lot that it <laughs> doesn't bode very well for for our you know our, our our energy, right? Um, but it's more about like the application of what you know, because there's a lot of stuff True. going on in there, right? But True. ultimately, our job as fighters is to bring it out and to be able to display that, um, right? I think the fighting is an expression, yes, of what you know, yes. And basically breaking down in efficiency. Now, again, there's, I would, in, in a world of martial arts, there are two types of practitioners. One who does it for the art and one who does it for the expression, the fighting art. Right. None of them are wrong. You can practice forms. You can practice katas. You could practice whatever weapons, whatever you want for the knowledge of the, uh, the move. But you cannot call, self, call, call yourself a fighter. Okay. Then you have the fighters right. who are not necessarily martial artists. Right. So I think the combination of both what creates a martial artist. Right. When you know both sides, you know the, you know the the basics. You know. Um, the philosophy of martial arts and you're practicing the philosophy of martial arts, basically the, what, what is martial arts coming from? It was a warrior code, correct? Right. Shido. Correct. Which created a whole warrior culture from Japan. Um, China had their own traditions. Korea had their own traditions, correct? They had their own lineage of martial arts schools. Right. But ultimately, the code of Bushido, which most of the our traditional martial arts are right now based on, the karate using the Bushido codes, correct? Right. The tenants of Taekwondo, Koreans, they're using the Bushido code, right. correct? Um, I think that's, in, that's an important thing because any fighter without moral codes is a street fighter, is a brawler. I've heard that many You're times. not a warrior anymore. Yes. You're just a fighter. You're just a street brawler. Just a punk, yeah. <laughs> uh, right. Uh, if I'm, I'm not sure if you remember George St. Pierre. George St. Pierre, the, yes. Yeah, he's, he's uh, the combination of a warrior and martial artist. He had a great he was, he wrote a great book, by the way. I don't know if you had a chance to... Yeah, I'm familiar with him. Amazing book. Amazing. <clears throat> but go ahead. No, so so basically, that's what I that this is what I think that you know, 
our job is when we're practicing something to identify the reasons why we're doing it, right? What we're doing it, why it's serving us, and what's the best way to approach that. I mean, honestly, I, I teach fighters. I, I love to teach fighters. I love to officiate fighters. But at the same time, I teach Tai Chi classes too. You know why? Because everybody from 70 and over needs that. Yeah. And I have lots of students and clients who they just love the Tai Chi. I love the aspects of they could move, breathe, meditate, regenerate their body and have a better life. Right. Is that martial art? Yes, it is. Right. Martial art is life, correct? Is everything what we do can apply to martial arts or mar- you can apply martial arts martial to everything, arts everything, we, do, we, everything do. we do in life, correct? Absolutely. So, but those people will never call themselves warriors. In a way, they, they're warriors because they're fighting for their life to have right. a better health, correct? But it's not warriors in the traditional sense. You will not pick up yes. a, a war. Not a samurai, right? Which even when you break right. down the word yeah. samurai, which translates, I think, to serve, right? Um, to serve, correct. correct. When you look back at, you know, studying much of their culture, because you got me activated in so many different ways. I would say the same way you thought about your first instructor, and, and the first the first two or three instructors you have in your life are important. You're lucky if you you can get more than one in your lifetime to sort of round out things and triangulate sometimes experiences. But um, you got me started in the philosophical direction as well. And I studied English in, in college, but I probably should have done philosophy because that's really where my mind operates more of like, you know, why is the sky blue? Not um, is it, if it's blue, but a lot of that. You ever, heard, you ever heard a phrase that you cannot study philosophy, you can only practice? Practice it, yes. I've, I've, heard, I've heard that before. <laughs> because yes. studying yeah. your philosophy, it's like, right. it's like studying religion. Correct, correct, correct. As much as you want if you're not practicing it. Right, you have, you, know to I mean? absorb, you have to absorb <laughs> so, it. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. And at that point, you don't study that anymore. You own right. it. Right, absolutely. So, so same thing. I think with most most everything. But yeah, I I, I totally understand that you should probably study yeah. philosophy instead but, of English. But you know, in the sense of right, if we can, if I can take it to the next level and break it down, it's more about making myself. It was about the way you were teaching was very dynamic. I still remember those classes. Um, very dynamic if you know if you weren't doing so there's some days you left and your ribs hurt or we sparred and you know you fell down the wooden floor and you got back up and you know it was just like and you closed the blinds that was one of the first things I remember was the lack of commercialism in what you did there where you know today you know there's a huge lobby in any type one school not in mine because I actually designed it to not have space for people to stand and sit um, I want to just kind of you know do my, do what I'm supposed to do um, but you, we walked in that door, you closed the blinds and it was like a different world walking like into like a portal. And that was, Correct. that's the hard, that's the hardest part. Even when I teach adults, I tell them that's the hardest part is to leave the outside outside, you know, whatever, right. whatever. because you know, what was the traditional, traditional schools, right. traditional martial arts schools, we're going back five, 600 years, you're going back to the Shaolin Temple, we're going back anywhere. Right. It was a private ceremony. Right. See. Between your instructor and a student. Right. The knowledge was precious and it was literally taught to the individual for the individual, their, their level, whatever they can understand. Right. It's not for your mom. It's not for your dad. It's for you. Right. 
Now, yes, I'm not saying that parents should not have an understanding of what's going on and they should not have a, a view of the teaching, right? Yeah. I, I, I totally understand that. But think about it. It's would they understand why you do it? Not necessarily. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So they might be able to influence you in the right way. They might be able to influence you in the wrong way. Right. Right. Okay. Based on their understandings. If it's you're too good, then you're violent. If you're not too good, you're you're weak. Correct. Right. 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 And it's the first thing what happens. It's a judge judgment is yes. getting called by the parent. Yes. Oh, I'm not doing this anymore because you're not paying whatever attention, or you're too too hard, or whatever. Correct. Right. right. But it's not then. It's not about you and your learning anymore. Right. It's about what they feel. And all due respect to them, they have the right because they pay for it. So they have a right to know, yes. Yes. But it's it's a very personal exchange of knowledge, exchange of energy. Energy, yes. It's an instructor, it's an instructor and a student. Absolutely. And basically, that's what happens when you're finding your student. It's a resonance. You guys resonate on the same level. Correct. It's a chemistry, right? And that's yeah, like, it's and a chemistry. And I always say this too, because I I taught virtual, you know, and outdoors for for a year and some change. So all the students, luckily, most of them who I've taught outdoors and whatnot and online, they're still with me. I actually taught two students virtual for over a year and some change. They were actually at that tournament mm -hmm. in December, and they did pretty well, um, just doing virtual That's stuff. But, but again, it was. It, but I told them it. I specifically said to them it wasn't me that was good because I got the compliment from the mom. And I was mm -hmm. like but it's not me. I said, it's really the testament to the way that works. It's the system that works. It's how we resonate. Yes, that's, that's important, right? But there's a, there's a certain subset of things I'm teaching you that are above me and have nothing to do with me. I'm just demonstrating the point. But you, know, you have to be proud of yourself for receiving the information. Much like we were talking about with the philosophy, you can't really study it. You kind of have to like live it, and, and they, and these, to their credit, these two kids who are, you know, probably isolated, you know, have each other to work with, thankfully, and um, you know, got it figured out. But you know, not everyone had that same scenario um, over right. the past right. year. So um, I saw martial arts really help a lot of people that wouldn't call themselves necessarily fighters, but are now able to call themselves at least martial artists in the sense that. They are practicing by living what we're teaching uh, and what I'm right, teaching, right, right. Which, is, which is, I think, really the key. I mean, you know, I don't judge people based on whether I don't judge people on anything. But if they want to to be a fighter, you got to there's a certain there's a very small amount of those, of those people that are just, you know, right next to us. You know, there's very small. Right. So, um, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say that I myself am a consummate fighter, but I have that tenacity and that spirit and I definitely that's how my mind works you know I'm very competitive internally externally um but it's about how I give that to somebody else who may not otherwise have that someone that walks in the door that you know like myself when I was a kid training with you I didn't have any sense of I just wanted to practice because I saw you know Power Rangers and Batman and all these kinds of influences right. there. um but actually the biggest thing which I haven't revealed to anyone is that I actually saw I saw someone get killed close to my house in Brooklyn. And, you know, I used to live right down the street from the school. Right, right, right. Um, so one of my earliest experiences, I watched someone and I, it didn't register for me. I just kind of ran home. But I remember coming back and I saw someone, you know, getting murdered. And it was like, it was, it was like so transformational. Like 
I'm learning something that could potentially not allow that to happen to me. And I never spoke about it. I never said anything to my father, parents, nothing. But, you know, up until now, you know, now I'm a parent, I'm thinking a completely different way. Um, you want to have some of that installed, at least, you know, in everybody that's close to you. You wish more people would practice, right, in, in a sense. I think the world sort of needs it. But that Well, we, we need the mental frame. So one yes. thing worked, I think, uh, uh, it, it gave a moral framework. Correct. Yeah. Martial arts is a moral framework. Absolutely. It's respect for yourself and others. Absolutely. Correct. Hundred uh, percent. Don't think. Don't take things for granted. Work right. for it. Right. Correct. Right. Um, it is. It is. Those things are. It's a lost cause in our society right now. Yeah. It just doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Um, and it's a sad thing in a way, but obviously though we have these cycles before in history, correct? Like yes. empires rise, yeah. then empire collapses, oh, society collapses again. We are probably witnessing an end of society, end of the cycle. But doesn't mean that that it's our cycle has to suffer. Correct. Our okay. life should not suffer for that. Our life should be what we want to create it. Right. And I, to be honest with you, I cannot imagine my life without martial arts, like any aspects of it, Same. from, from uh, you know, from the fighting side to the form side to the just regular yeah. weight training, whatever you want to do, yeah. it just do it. And that creates a framework. The other thing is that, um, you know, it's people who sweat together. Yes. They stick together. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So it creates a camaraderie and it creates uh, uh, a friendship, everlasting friendship. I mean, I'm still friends with the people, my, my classmates who I studied in from Romania. We still keep in touch. We still, you know, uh, uh, help each other. I'm still in, in uh, contact with like Master Kim yes. uh, and, and some of the guys from there, even if not as often as I wish, but I'm in contact with them. With some of my uh, uh, kung fu uh, cam comrades, I'm in, in contact with. From the fight world, all the officials are my brothers. Yes. Right? yes. So it's it's a very very interesting world world we're living in. Yes. And our bonding is instant and unconditional when it comes to martial arts. Hundred percent. It's an extend. It's an extension of family. That's what I say here. Not to sell right. people. Right. You know, when I talk to people, because I have to do this verbally, I'm using my cell phone and, you know, I don't have like a business. We're in literally in my garage right now. So this is how I have the setup. But, um, you know, when I talk to people like I did today for a couple hours, you know, handing out brochures and giving out information, I was like, no, this is really an experience. It's not, you know, something seasonal, let's say, um, you know, you're not doing martial arts with me for six months and then baseball, you know, season comes up and then we stop here. I'm like, this is constant. In a matter of right. fact, it's actually more expensive. I've heard people say many things about, um, you know, obviously there's commercialism in it to some degree, um, particularly in Taekwondo. Um, I would like to think I keep a lot of the traditional elements, a lot of homage to you and Grandmaster Kim and my journey as well uh, in my training, just my attitude in general as an instructor. Um, but when they when they come here, I'm like, yo, this is this is something you have to constantly do. Otherwise, it's going to cost you more to not do it that way. Um, so you kind of have to, like, you, you have to stick with, it. you have to. True. And True. Then, but uh, think about the other thing is that um, it's most people, 
the reason because it's commercialism and martial arts. Yeah. Because people, they try to make a living out of it. Mm-hmm. In the old times, this was an issue. Right. I mean, talk about two, three hundred years ago. Yes, it was work. Money was important. But people lived in a school, lived in a monastery, lived wherever yeah. they went. That was part of their life. Right. Now, people, they have to work. Instructor have to work. Right. <laughs> and right. for you to be able to have somewhere <laughs> to teach them, right. you need to charge money. Correct. Correct. In a way, it's not nothing wrong with having commercialism means I need to charge you for my work. Absolutely. I need to charge you because I need to provide you this service in, in a gym or whatever, gym settings or whatever settings, not on the street, correct? You get rain, snowed, whatever. Number two, I have to provide for myself and for my family. Correct. And to to go to anyone, you go to a lawyer, the guy will ask you for money. You go to a doctor, the guy will ask you for money. Right. I'll ask you for the money. Right. The point is, whatever you teach, you're teaching. And that's the key to everything. Then you can charge the money. Sure, not a problem. Right. You know what I mean? Right. But the moment you're charging for something which is not true, that's where con artists or McDojo's or whatever they come again. Right. Right. Then it and that's that in a way is just a modern babysitting or you know, you're you're just watching the kids not to follow with each other. Okay. Right. And I think that's what the old school they took out that element. It was a no babysitting. Right. That's, you don't want to be here? That's fine. Get out. Right. And I've heard that many times. <laughs> How many times were we at Master Kim's at 50th Street? And I've heard it was, get out. You know, if you don't want to be, yeah. get out. Yeah. You know, yeah. so that's... Because that's, that's what, that is what, that was the old school mentality. Like right. nobody's forcing you. Right. But at the moment you you say, I want to be here, then yes, 100% it's, uh, it's expected from you. 100%. And, you know, and they nobody took any less from than 100%. And that was that was the difference. That was that that push created that moral code. Again, going back to the old Bushido moral codes. Right. Yes, the black belt earn his respect. He bought it online because he sweated and right. he knew everything what you already were trying to pull on him. He already did it to somebody else. Right. Right. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> so that's that's why I think um, I mean uh, that. That philosophy worked better for us as humankind than the new, you know, like, oh, you're getting participation trophy just for showing up to work out. No, right. that's that's not the way it should be. I agree with you, you know? on that, sir. I totally hundred percent no, 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 uh, no arguing with you on that one whatsoever. Um, I wanted to touch on just for a moment on how you got in touch with Grandmaster Kim coming from just tracking your time coming from. Romania, which is great, which is great in the United States. And then you find Grandmaster Kim and your sort of your experiences. Well, with him. Can you sort of divulge um, and consolidate? Well, the way I, fo- I found Master Kim was uh, after Paul D. Dexter and we moved up. So from Missouri, we moved up to here to to New York area because my my uh, um, one of our relatives was over here in New Jersey. So I want to be closer to my kind, Hungarians, Romanians, right. correct? Uh, we were kind of isolated misery. So we moved up over here and my uh, my uh, my coach uh, at the time, Paul D. Dexter, sent me to her press. 
But her Perez school was, I think, in Brooklyn at the time. It was very hard for me to get out, get out of yeah. there. Gotcha. So I went once or twice, I think, and I said, I, I just, I, I can't commute. I need to find a job. Right. And, I, you know, immigrant mentality, correct? It's like, <laughs> I need to, to do this first, then I can yeah. train. Right. So I was, I got a job and I started, still getting hard for me. It was still getting uh, hard. Uh, it was not getting, it was hard for me to get to Brooklyn or whatever her press school was at the time. And I'm not sure what it was. I don't, don't quote me on that because yeah. somebody took me to that school. Yeah, no and 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 uh, um, I found that where I worked, uh, Master Kim's school was right next to me. And one of friend of mine from Romania, whose brother is the, the head of the, the, the Romanian Taekwondo Federation, said, hey, uh, I'm training over here in a, in a 50th Street location, and it's at J. Kim, it's a Korean master, and come in and, and, uh, and, and train here. So I went like once or twice uh, for sparring, just to spar with a guy a little bit, and his name is Peter Yonko. He was a uh, Brook Shields personal trainer at the time too. He was like involved in personal training. And, and um, we had a good time. Um, I met Master Kim. He allowed us to go a little bit harder than usual, uh, you know, and, and I felt home. So that's the way I stuck. And at some point, Master Kim asked me that it was a school who was asking for martial arts instructors in Brooklyn. Yes. And that's the way I got to Brooklyn. Gotcha. I want to do it. And I did first, uh, I think I did an after school program for Master Kim somewhere. Yes on the Upper East Side, then parallel with the school in Brooklyn. Then, you know, that's the way the story goes. What was your, what was your, what about Grandmaster Kim was, I guess, kept you interested and involved and wanting to stay? Was it just the, was it just that, was it the atmosphere per se, or is it something specific about? Uh, Well, it was, he, he had the old school approach. Right. It, uh, it's, um, he had an old school approach. He allowed uh, more in-depth uh, philosophies to come down to the students. It wasn't just, okay, kick, then what? Right, right. But what is behind the, what is behind the Taekwondo? How would this translate in martial arts? Because every style is martial, but how does it translate in martial arts? Like right. why it's an art, right? What right. makes it an art? Why right. it's not just a sport, correct? Right. Kicking, you just I could kick all day and it could be a sport, but right. martial arts is martial art. So martial art without philosophy is just a sport. It's not arts anymore. Like it has to have a soul, and I found that it was a, it was uh, uh, substance over there. Gotcha, gotcha. Beautiful. That's cool to know. He's he's definitely. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that connection between you to him, you taking me on my, I remember taking one of my earlier rides on the, on the subway at the time, uh, going to the city to test with him was really a special kind of event. Um, and I think that you can also, you said something earlier where I wanted to touch on too and blend it because I think at testing time, the parents that have become, that are doubtful or maybe doubtful about what you're providing their children can evidently see the progress, perhaps the most at testing time where they see right. what the students can right. really do in an atmosphere where everybody is serious about what's happening. Competitive, right. Competitive, competitive atmosphere. 
And there's a unification of focus as well. There's not, oh, there's my friend. And I remember going to 50th Street School where, uh, you know, you guys were located, um, you know, and then it was just, you know, just this atmosphere of like everybody's sweating, everybody's training, not a lot of people are laughing or smiling. So you got to, you kind of, you got the gist that this is where, you know, serious. Well, you know, it's, it's on, on, uh, online. It's still a video of, if you want, I'll send it to you. Uh, yes. It was a network, took a, um, a one hour um, documentary about um, Master Kim. Yes. And about testing. Yes. And, uh, Somebody else was testing over there, but most of us were in in a, in a video. I, I've seen it. The, yeah, you saw. I did. So it was. I actually somebody just forwarded to me. I think I stood master schemes forward to me like six months ago, something like that, a year yeah. ago, and like, hey, I just saw you over here. Take a look. <laughs> and uh, it was like little. It, it felt really, really good to look back. And at the time, I still had hair. <laughs> 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 so it, it was just good it was good to see the guys it was good to feel that energy what we used to have over there for sure 100 percent. that was it was great just uh just being there and i feel like um i mean i changed my entire life that you, know, you got that one connection they always say that sometimes in sales that one contact can change everything about the course of your life and i think one. that's probably that connection there probably did the most for me because you have to remember, I'm a black kid from Brooklyn. I mean, what am I looking at on the 90s on TV? It's not many people that look like me, um, particularly in a field where it's dominated by everybody else. So I didn't even have a semblance that I could be a martial artist, let alone an instructor, until I had really the combination of you and Grandmaster Kim and some other people along the way that kind of like, you know, made it possible for me to see that because I fell in love with what we did you know, back then uh, taking classes with you. So, you know, it, it, it does have, you have more, I did learn that you have more impact on people than you think, um, you know, because- Well, yeah, you as an instructor, for sure. Yeah. Like, I think that is the, you know, it's not a job, it's a calling. Yes, yes, yes. So you, you if you want a job, go right. to USPS, you know, be a male person or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> whatever you want to do but if it, this is a calling and and with calling become responsibilities too yeah and you have to understand that if you if you screw up you could screw up somebody's life 100% or you could improve somebody's life that's pretty much it and, right? two things and and the the, the choices are, are in our hands and we hoping that we do the helping part, not the screwing part. Right, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> no, it's and, true. And that, that is the commercialism when it comes in. And either way, they're paying for it. I understand. But this is where our obligation is to give the best of us. They give a part of you put into that training. Absolutely. Do you still see yourself 20 years from now still teaching? Oh, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, it's it's um to be honest with you, I, I I don't even feel I'm 50, I will be 54 this year. I, I not, I'm not feeling more than 30. I literally I enjoy life, I enjoy training, I enjoy to do whatever is possible. Um, and I'm happy to do so. My fathers are doing well, thank God. 
Everybody's doing well. We're looking forward to World Championships. The WK World Championship this year will be in Ireland. Hope I'll be able to take somebody over there. ISK running amazing, amazing tournaments and, and events in New York City. And uh, I'm the, the guy who's in charge, Tom Sconzo, does an amazing work getting the new generation of fighters a chance to, to different promoters. It's... Uh, it looks good. The next 20, 30 years, it's looking good. That's awesome. That's, <laughs> that's, that's awesome for you. I can, I can see you. I can see myself at that, at that point in time. It's almost, um, I read a quote uh, online from, it was like, a, I guess, a Japanese proverb. And I, it said something to the extent of uh, only someone that's active uh, doesn't want to, doesn't want to die or something like that or see themselves for 100 years living you know, someone that's like, you know, constantly active and, you know, because of the nature of what we do based in essentially constant movement. Um, it's like, it's, it really does elongate your, even though there are obviously everyone's got different DNA. So yes, things break on bodies, hips don't do as well or last as long. So oftentimes you're lucky if you make it past a certain point in time in life, genetically, if you can kick and punch and move around. Um, but you know, I don't have any joint problems. Like, you know, a lot of my friends who played football and, you know, we're lifting 400 pounds, mm -hmm. you know, I don't have well, those, those same that's, problems. that's also the way you train the body. Right. So that's why I also believe in China's approach to martial arts or Asian approach where they taking care of the body. Right. And so taking care of the body is part of the training. For the long term, not for the short term. For the long term, no, not for the short term. I'm talking about long term, right? And it's where it's the soul and the body has to be taken care of, and also the mental part too. So mentally, you have to be able to be active. Gotcha. Because the body will follow the mind. Right. Absolutely. Mind follows the soul. So you feel young because of what you put behind it. Right. If you feel, you know, that you can still could do it, because what you put behind it. So in, in this case, uh, I'm a big believer of Asian philosophy and martial arts. Is that, how do you, and as we're starting to close out and wind down, um, how, would, how do you train your fighters? You know, are you combining are these fighters that you have in your stable? Are they sort of single concentration or multi-concentration? I know it's like a lot of people in the UFC have Taekwondo as their base you know, because of the footwork and the nature of being light Well, I, I honestly think that for, for if somebody wants to go toward, M toward MMA, it's two styles they need to, three styles they need to grind. Okay, it's one of them. It's uh, for stand-up, it's Muay Thai. Okay. You have to understand what clinches, you have to understand what, what elbows and knees are. You have to understand all these elements. You have to understand, you have to have the body of a Thai fighter. You have to withstand that, that shin kick to the tie. Right. Because if not, as we know, you will fall apart. Gotcha. Um, second part is the for ground is Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, correct? You have, you have to be able to understand, even if you're not mastering, but to understand the principles. Right. Hopefully you will master it. Hopefully you will get it as good as you can. Right. Um, and then I would say judo or wrestling whichever is your flavor, uh -huh. correct? Because you have to be able to take the guy down. Right. Judo is, I it's I would prefer probably judo for, because BJJ, you do learn uh, the wrestling takedowns and a little bit of wrestling. It, now, it's not the same. But for sure. 
but it lacks the throws. That's the that's what I find is right. in BJJ. The, but the throws, judo has more throws. The wrestling has the holding down part. Like the gotcha. wrestling, wrestling guy could sit on you. Right. They know how to sit on you. Right. Okay. Gotcha. And then the, the then the 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 BJJ part where you have to be um, uh, able to choke somebody out or literally get that uh, uh, armbar in or whatever. Right. Finishing the finishing the fight, right? right? Now, saying that it's still going back that you need to be a full skilled or skilled martial artist, correct? Right. Right. Uh, but the mindset, so this could be going on for a short period of time, or it could go on for a long period of time, depending on your training. Right. If you have one or two fights, you could get injured. Your your career is over. Right. What? Right. Who are you? Right. Or you could do 10, 15 years, you know, in it. Some people, some of them, they did 10 years, correct? Right. Um, uh, and, and, and you could be a coach, you could be something else, but ultimately what you are, you are a martial artist. Because by then, if you're 10 years in the UFC, 10 years in fighting, you mastered how to take care of your body. Right. 100%. And your mindset is as strong that you take anything. So I ultimately think that if you want to go in that direction, if you want to go into fighting, whichever is your flavor, I prefer Muay Thai. I prefer more of that. That is my taste, which I like. But MMA is my second, you know, closest thing to my heart. I love it. I love the, the, the every element of it. And I love judging it and refing it. Gotcha. Okay. Do I want to do it? Most likely not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too old for that, and the guys are way too good in the game. <laughs> um, does Taekwondo, in your opinion, have any any place in, like, say, someone wants to become a fighter and they have Taekwondo I, as their base? I, I, if they go back to the, to the traditional, the Choi Hong Ki type of traditional Taekwondo, right. they might. Right. Olympic Tank Fighter, no way. Right, the power. Don't you talking about the because not I'm, just the power. So it's like I would go uh, the, the closest second thing is like the Kyokushin karate is right. the closest thing to hard MMA. Style. Yeah, yeah. Hard style. If you if you cannot take that, then you're a point sparer. Not gonna fight it. You like right. point sparring. Right, just it's like a video down. game. I touch you. Yeah. And you got a point, which is great. Oh, right. maybe by mistake I knocked you out, but I would be really sorry to knock you out. <laughs> that's not that's not that you just kill the martial arts spirit right right so but that, that is my five cents this is just my opinion of course mm, and i think that that is why i felt that it's because of the olympic taekwondo because of the money because of the taekwondo aspect of the kids program like i don't think you can go in right now to taekwondo school where you have more than 20 percent adults 80 percent no. of the it's kids, correct? Right. And so literally to, generated the word kids. And you go to BJJ so, schools and it's complete, the complete opposite. Right, right. right. So that, that is what I'm trying to explain that, that for Taekwondo to survive, it has to pass the, the credibility test. Mm. And at this point, karate and Taekwondo, it's a dinosaur. Mm. They have their, their roots, very respectful roots. They have their, their amazing history, but it's 
it's it's practiced for kids um literally to to kids program they, they, that's what they they doing Change. i would definitely i would definitely change that attitude and i will go back to the warrior spirit and to the roots of taekwondo now i've been in korea and i saw the guys working out and i saw the um they are very talented some of the korean fighters are really really good up and coming fighters in kickboxing really really good the speed and right. they have they have the they definitely have the taekwondo roots right but they morphed into a fighter by combining another style to it gotcha gotcha that's it and and we we my guy got beaten by a korean guy in korea gotcha and then and just and this is what it is i had to admit that they were really good what they're doing do they know how to wrap hands most likely not but they what they were doing they were really good <laughs> i'll keep i'll keep my but it is, i i i cannot wait to go back to seoul again this year or next year or you know if it's a fight event again but i'm just saying that that they have a um, they have an amazing fighters program over there they have yes. amazing coaches yes but not taekwondo they using taekwondo as almost like you go to kindergarten this is what you do now if you want to go to high school now you have to get into you know something strong boxing kickboxing muay thai right. oh now you want to go to college now you have to go to mma interesting so it's like almost like a hierarchy of what you can combine with the, the right it's to what to in the martial arts how you can And reframe I think that's the natural progression right And it, and it is interesting right because I did dabble in um Brazilian jiu-jitsu for about a year and it changed it changed my entire perspective especially getting choked out I'm about 220 so getting choked out by someone that's 150 pounds and I'm a very strong guy but I it it didn't matter no, <laughs> no because I, it's it's all about leverage and angles correct and I but here's what the fascinating part is I wanted to opinion on it the taekwondo the way i've learned it from grandmaster kim the traditional way i've learned it no other way um it accelerated my understanding of what was happening so instead of it taking four or five years for me to get to the conclusion of oh this is why i got all of that sort of filtered out within the first two or three months okay he's only holding me down he can't be as strong so you know and i have the physics down So I'm like, it's got to be leverage. It's got to be this. And then you start to, it opens up the mind's eyes, so to speak. And I think that's when you start combining martial arts, going back to what we're talking about, when you synthesize, it sort of helps you reframe how to make something look a little more fluid. Like there are more options now. I, if, if someone grabs my leg after a sidekick, okay, we go to the ground. Now I know I can at least be comfortable enough to get back up to my feet. Right. You know, so right. you, see, you see more options, and I think it, it, your well, perspective is important. It? But it's think about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as the road to least resistance. Right. Why would I wrestle with you when I could get your small joint? Right. It's really I can get your arm. Right. I can get your shoulder. I right. can get your neck. Right. I get your ankle. I get your knee. Correct. Right. right. Why would I? Why would I struggle with your whole body? Right. I put my body. Right. 150 pounds that you say again that small joint that will snap 
Right. And your airway as well. Because once you put something in the rear, somebody right. in the rear and they could choke, I mean. Right. But that's, that, that's well, yes. But, you know, <laughs> this, this is the strategy of the star. And Correct. that's the philosophy of the star. And but that's with everything else and when it comes to martial arts. Right. You know, why would I go in and clinch with you when I could punch you from in the face like from you know four feet? Four feet could, away. You know, right. or I could kick you, correct? Right. Why would I go close to you? Why would I and in the same thing in MMA, why would I wrestle with a wrestler that I could just snap that quad of yours, correct? I could literally break your quad. Right. And be in game over for my that. skill set. What is my skill set? What is my game plan? What is what? How do I want to? How can I finish this in the the fastest way with the minimum damage on my end without taking it? Yeah, right. So if you you like hugging, BJJ is your style. Right. <laughs> but put your hands on a guy. Right. Get close to him. Right. And it's very hard to put your hand on someone who knows takedown defense and knows how to use his fist. And distancing, yeah, for sure. Yeah, 100%. moving, striking, and defense. So, it, but it is, again, all these things came out of necessity. So martial arts is pushing your button. I would say that the reason because I love martial arts because really makes, really shows who you are. In yeah. that situation, how can you overcome? Right. Absolutely. In a, in, a, in a sort of predisposed framework, right? Because going back to philosophies of styles, Taekwondo's philosophy of, you know, at, of, you know, efficiency is completely different from Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu's ideology of efficiency and different from Hapkido's, you know, thing. so right. go on and on and on. So I feel like it's, in my opinion, from where I'm standing, I've been what 30 years in martial arts now. I'm still, you're always learning. You're never like done at whatever level. So um, I, I really, I honestly feel that I'm not just saying, I really, I'm like, if you're, if you, I've heard, I've been around people that are the same rank I am now and say they're, they've learned what they need to learn. But I'm like, okay, so that just means you haven't challenged yourself, you know, high enough or different enough. Um, Cause we we're always changing, but I think, when you're talking about synthesizing martial arts, I think what we're really saying, and to the layperson, is really more of a combination of philosophies that allows the mind to understand sort of, yes, this is what I could do, and this is what I can do, and what are my options now that I can come, I pull those two together or those three or four together, because you just you're just more lethal if you have, I think, more understanding, but that understanding leads to more capability with less exertion from yourself right true so i think that's i think that's ultimately where it goes i had to talk that one out <laughs> but sir, okay. I, I don't want to um take up any more of your time i know uh you have to get going um hopefully not to go kill anybody but um i'm grateful to have you on it's uh, it's really great to reconnect Thank with you after all my this pleasure time. it's uh, it's great but uh we'll uh, we'll definitely talk again so i'd love to have you back on in the near future and um best of luck to you yes. this year Thank you so much. Thank you for everything. And it's my pleasure, Chris. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. All right, guys. That's uh, podcast episode 10 signing off. Thank you, guys.